0: Dignity and Care, the podcast of Center for Child
1: Protection at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome.
0: Welcome to our new podcast Dignity and Care. We talk about sexual abuse and abuse in general in the Catholic Church and in our society. We ask, how does it come about and how can it be prevented? It's not an easy small talk topic, but a problem a lot of people have to cope with. Something we have to talk about. Church people, responsible person, have been silent for a long time. It's a podcast with potential for high emotions and bad feelings. So it's a challenge for you as our listeners and for us as editors. And we are... Hans Zollner. And my name is Henrik Evers, journalist in Munich at the Catholic Media Company St. Michaelsbund. Father Hans, we will talk about a taboo subject and we'll do it regularly from now on. You've chosen to discuss this
1: topic in a podcast. Why? Because podcast is a smart instrument to discuss things in depth. Uh, It's uh, not only a news uh, in a few lines, And it's not a conference, uh, but it is a conversation. And that is, I think, particularly helpful for a topic like uh, safeguarding.
0: Mm. You are the director of the CCP, the Center for Child Protection. It is part of the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome, founded by Jesuits in the 16th century. Now... Critics could say church installs an institute for child protection, but has all those cases of abuse within the church. There has been systematic cover up and now they pretend to change something. Uh, What do you answer
1: them? Of course, first of all, we have to admit that so many people have been harmed in the church, that there is abuse that has been ongoing for decades and probably is still ongoing, um, and we have to admit uh, to that. But on the other side, uh, we uh, at the Center for Child Protection pledge to work and to continue to work in the future for a safer church within the limits of our capacities and competences, but with our strong motivation so that young people and all those who live and work within the church can feel and live safe.
0: Mm. Your institute is embedded in an international research community. What does it mean for the work of the CCP?
1: It means that we rely on the results of other researchers. We study uh, what uh, are the main topics in the field we communicate with others and have projects of collaboration in research and education Uh, among our faculty among our professors are many people uh, from all over the world who are specialists in a certain area within safeguarding and prevention of abuse and we are uh, certainly committed to the high standards that science and research uh, ask for
0: as a German Jesuit, you lead this institute in Rome. It's part of a an ecclesiastical school, but does not belong to the Vatican. How did this all
1: develop? The Gregorian University is based in Rome. But it is not an institution of of the Vatican. Uh, we are uh, an a university like other universities. We are under su- the supervision of uh, uh, the church Ministry for education and information, like uh, state universities under the state ministry. but for the rest, we are free in our programs uh, in our publications and in our research uh, projects. Mm-hmm. As My personal history uh, is connected to events that took place in 2010 with the onset of the public discussion, the broader public discussion in the German-speaking countries on abuse committed in the church. Uh, but uh, uh, also, uh, since I was called... To be a member of the scientific um, advisory panel of the German Federal Research Ministry in 2010 and 11 following those revelations. Of abuse. And there I came to know the who is who of people in the German speaking countries who worked for many years uh, in the area of um, sociology, of uh, psychiatry, of pedagogy. And within that group, I came to know the who is who of people from the German speaking countries who are the leading experts. In, uh, uh, in psychiatry, in psychology, in pedagogy, in education uh, at large, um, uh, who have worked for many years in this area of safeguarding against abuse. So long
0: before the Center of Child Protection started, there was a research group here in Germany where, where all this started. And what was your motivation to, to research in, in this, uh, this field?
1: Now, my personal history is connected to an experience uh, during my training as a psychotherapist and psychologist, um, when I was starting to offer psychotherapy, uh, I was working with a woman who, in the course of the uh, psychotherapy after a few months, uh, was uh, raped, uh, was uh, undergoing sexual violence. And... um, Uh, This adult woman, of course, then broke down and in one of the sessions following that rape. And um, yes, I had to work out with her what we could do, what was the the situation of the law and so forth. And and that, uh, of course, um, left... A, a clear sign within myself that this is an important issue uh, for many people. Um, that um, sexuality and aggression, or sexual violence, um, is uh, something that destroys uh, the the well being of people. Uh, it destroys the trust in others, and it makes very difficult to continue life. and And therefore, I was alerted to that area that I talk about the mid-90s which was not very openly and very much discussed in the public neither in German-speaking countries nor elsewhere Mm. Uh, we talk about the taboo um, and um, I came more from a scientific point of view um, not only from a practical and therapeutic point of view in contact with uh, this area when in 2004 the leading figure in the American church um, who had introduced um, the American bishops to to this topic, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, came to Rome for a workshop. We had invited him following the the Boston scandals in two thousand and two and he uh, gave a, a very thorough introduction into the topic uh, what is abuse, um, how do you deal with uh, victims, uh, how do you confront perpetrators? And from that moment on, I followed news also in the German-speaking countries. But it was not until 2010 that then I was really drawn into this issue.
0: Okay. Uh, we have to mention maybe you're not only a theologian, a priest and a Jesuit, but also a psychotherapist and psychologist. Um, and, and this um, uh, incident was your motivation to start uh, in this field.
1: Exactly. And I I think uh, it is very important also to mention that for me, the interdisciplinary approach is uh, something that I I learned from early on, uh, also in my training as a psychotherapist uh, psychology and psychotherapy is one way to look into uh, human beings lives but um, there are other areas there is the spiritual area of course but there is also the institutional the administrative the organizational aspects of one's lives, and um, and that is also uh, coming to the attention when we talk about abuse uh, over the la- last years we have discovered that this is also part and parcel of uh, the uh, of dealing with abuse and its cover-up. When you
0: started 20 years before, did you expect uh, any success?
1: Now, what is success in this field? Success is uh, coming very slowly if you think that um, uh, success means uh, everybody is convinced that this is an important topic, that uh, everybody engages with it and does what he or she can do so that uh, in, in his or her context, people are safe. Mm-hmm. If you talk about success in these terms, there there is not much success, I have to say not in the church and not in society because it is a very very ugly and uncomfortable topic for many and people run away um and and don't want to talk about don't want to think about it and don't um commit to it in a way that uh, mm-hmm. which would be necessary mm-hmm. on the other side there are elements of course where we have grown i think there is a lot that has been happening especially in terms of the capacity uh, to open up for people, um, I think that many survivors of abuse have now the courage to talk about uh, what has happened to them, uh, at, at least in some countries in this world, and this is a huge step forward. They do now, but why didn't they 20 years ago? What What's the reason? In our context, uh, yeah, one could say uh, in the German-speaking countries, survivors came forward in a, in a big number only 11 years ago and before that there was very little talk and uh, you can see the same in many parts of the world still today many survivors don't feel safe enough to come forward to they are reluctant because they they know once they talk about the abuse that has happened to them they will be ousted uh, they they will be looked at like people uh, who, who talk about dirty things and they shouldn't, uh, who break um, the law of silence. And, and this is very, very painful for many victims. Uh, because it is a repetition of what has happened in their youth, if they were abused as as minors of age, many times many victims say that it was the parents themselves uh, who forbade them uh, to talk about it, mm-hmm. because they didn't want to to listen to them. They they felt ashamed, uh, or they had other questions, uh, uh, and the same uh, is true in the church. Many priests, many religious. Uh, really worked hard so that survivors could not speak out. And and that and that needs to change. What did change uh, up, up to now? I believe that there is a general, um, let me say, a, a general a disposition that has grown over the years in some countries, not in many, I would say, uh, that uh, we need to listen to survivors of abuse. And, and yes, yes, we have had bishops' conferences, we have... Uh, Provincial chapters, uh, we have big conferences, um, in In the research area, but also beyond that, where survivors were invited to talk about what has happened to them mm-hmm. um, and and that wasn 't there. We have to admit that uh, in 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 our society and in our church in Germany, not even uh, twelve years ago mm-hmm.
0: uh, in some countries, it has been twenty years ago when this, this uh, was discovered, and in other countries it's uh, ten years ago what 's the reason for
1: discovering or not? I believe that it has to do with the general um, awareness that is growing in a society that there is a huge problem and we need to talk about it. And then, of course, there have been media uh, who have picked up stories from survivors and survivors who speak out. I mean, this is a combination of factors that come together and bring about the change in the mentality the mentality that uh, was governed in many times and as I say in, in I believe still continuing in many countries in this world where as a survivor of abuse, you are not allowed. You are mm. not welcomed mm-hmm. uh, to talk about it. And uh, and, and and this is uh, very much due to the courage of survivors who came forward that in our context here in, in Germany or in other Western uh, countries and not many other countries, we have now a situation that survivors can talk about it and are protected and don't need uh, let me say to to feel ashamed about
0: it. Mm-hmm. And what you do is bring communications together, bring solutions together, and speak about the experiences in different countries at uh, special times.
1: Yeah, and and our main work consists in listening to survivors, and in that sense, also carrying on their message within our safeguarding work because we owe a lot and i personally owe a lot to the survivors with whom i have spoken uh, who who were gracious enough to to share the, their story with me and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, have been very blunt also in their request that we continue our work because uh, it is i mean the, the work of safeguarding because they they want that young people in our church feel and are safe.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have the methods you discovered and um, the research you, you did in this field. What is it exactly? What do you do?
1: The programs that we offer are mainly a blended learning, an e-learning program with on-site uh, elements. So people who enroll in, in this E learning program uh, in our pa- partner institutions um, learn certain topics uh, while they are online, uh, when they click through the videos, the audio interviews, the texts, the quizzes that we offer. But that is also complemented by on site activities uh, that are offered by the faculty or the seminary or the university or another institution with which we work. Mm-hmm. The second program we run is a a one semester, basically a six uh, uh, months diploma course, which is not an academic degree, a diploma course in safeguarding, which we run in English and in Spanish. Uh, And that gives the basics of uh, safeguarding work, like how do you detect abuse? How do you um, approach victims? How do you confront perpetrators and so forth? And since uh, a number of years, we have now also a master's program in safeguarding, a licentiate, as it is called in church language, uh, a two years master uh, degree. This is a full academic degree um, that uh, is also called uh, a master in safeguarding. Uh, Furthermore, we have doctorate students. We have had five uh, doctorates already completed and we have a a certain number also uh, still um, running. This is, let me say, the bulk of our work at the CCP. Then we give workshops, we give conferences, we engage in research projects, international research projects. And of course, we we ourselves organize conferences, uh, like, for example, the International Safeguarding Conference that we will have for the first time in a new format uh, in July this year.
0: So your methods go all over the world. What are your plans and wishes for the future?
1: What do you like to do now? We will continue our programs. Um, We are discovering new areas that need attention, uh, more attention than we we have given uh, so far. For example, the question of intercultural communication. How do we, Westerners, come across um, when we talk about safeguarding? How do we... Manage uh, to phrase and to frame our concepts so that people from other parts of the world in other languages can really understand what what we want to transmit. Mm-hmm. Uh, another area that that has come up over the last one or two years, especially in uh, in our um, geographical area in Europe and Northern America, is the the question of spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are content areas that we need to develop more. Of course, we want to reach out to to new partners in other countries and in other institutions beyond the the 50, 60 partner institutions with which we work at this moment. Uh, And uh, we we want to engage more in research projects. We have one very interesting research project on the efficiency of safeguarding work together with other German institutions. And uh, we hope that we can um, have some results over the next years.
0: So, from your experienced view, where does abuse even begin and where do we have to start protecting children?
1: Now, uh, abuse can start at any point in time, in any place and with any person. So, we need to really grow in awareness and in sensitivity and uh, we need to open our uh, eyes, our ears and our heart uh, so that we can b- receive messages and also slight messages uh from young people or others who are abused or have been abused and uh, and that is something that all of us uh, can uh, can do all of us can contribute something at least within the context in which one lives one one can Let me say one can really be more willing also to to see and not to look away, uh, to speak out and not to uh, to be silent, uh, uh, to, to empathize with people and to be receptive for messages. Uh, that people want to send Um, and and many many victims say that uh, they tried to talk with uh, people of their confidence but nobody would listen Mm -hmm. and uh, some say that uh, victims had to start seven times um, to, to talk about the abuse they were going through until somebody really listened to them. Mm-hmm. So that means everybody has a, a task and, and it's a challenging task, but it is a, a human necessity to really be aware that abuse is happening, that I can also detect it and that I'm part of a, a society and a church so Each and everyone has to be aware that we are all part of a society and a church in which we care for each other and in which we look out for those uh, who we are responsible for in a direct or indirect way and and receive um, the message that we need to intervene. Mm
0: Maybe an example. What can I do myself? I have uh, three daughters, five, seven and nine years. They sing in the choir, minister in worship, do sports, are in school, have contact with many adults. Um, What would be the right approach to make them strong enough against bad things about pedophile people? I think telling them shocking
1: stories is uh, the wrong way. Surely, it is the wrong way because to get uh, young people stronger, uh, you 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 need to strengthen them, mm-hmm. and that means uh, first and foremost to tell them that, I mean by words, but also by by the way we relate to young people that I respect you, I respect your your personality, I um i really um appreciate you as a person uh, you communicate this by words like i like you uh, but i uh, by but we communicate also by how we deal with people um and that is also true for young people so the second thing is that we tell them um I respect your boundaries, I respect i mean of course, in other words uh, mm-hmm. but but uh, the message must be um, I respect you, I respect your boundaries i, I don't um, enter into your intimacy i I um, respect your bodily boundaries, I don't touch you in a way that is inappropriate Mm -hmm. and and that um, caters only to my own needs. And the third thing that we can communicate is once you perceive that anybody, either a peer of your own age or um, an an older person, be it a youth or an adult person, um, breaks through your protective layer uh, breaks through your um, boundary and does things that you feel and you perceive that this is wrong, you can stand up and you shall stand up for yourself and you can run away, you can shout, you can talk about it, be aware and and be encouraged to protect yourself. Mm. However, Young people cannot protect themselves precisely because they are weaker, they are smaller, they are less experienced than adults. So um, there is a problem if we put the burden of protecting themselves too much on young people. Yes, they 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 should know about all what we have been speaking about but uh, but it is the adult adults that, uh, who need to really protect and uh, and prevent abuse so
0: we have to care about them as well of course because we are the adults but we have
1: to listen to them what they say and interpret it uh, in the right way absolutely and and therefore we also need to, to decipher, to to learn how young people uh, react and what could be the reason that uh, one who was very open and and, uh, smiling one day, um, the other day is very much on his or her own uh, cries without a specific reason and and then how can we approach them so that they can open up.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, your ideas and, and uh, research results and methods go from Rome all over the world. You visited many countries, listened to lots of serious stories and uh, of victims, heard a lot of people's sufferings. Um, how do you cope with this difficult
1: experience? Now, I can say that one major factor in this, in, in how I cope with it, is because I am in constant contact with a number of survivors from some countries uh, from different countries i mean we we i meet some of them uh, we have phone calls um and, and many of them write to me um, emails messages whatever and i really appreciate this type of relationship that has been come about um with a, a number of them because I feel that there is um, an honesty and sincerity, uh, which includes also criticism, which includes also phases of uh, of anger, expressions of of anger and um, dissatisfaction um, with our work, with my, me as a person, or with the situation in the church. But it includes also expressions of gratitude, and uh, and really, I mean, one of the major factors that helped me uh, keep going uh, is um, the the relationship with survivors of abuse. The second is that there is a growing number of people within the church and outside with whom I am in contact, and who are really committed to this mission of the church. Mm. The third factor is that, of course, um, I have my own friends and all those within the church among the responsible in the church, uh, the team of the CCP, and the support of the superiors who have uh, helped us along the way, the many donors who have given us the money to, uh, to work in this field for uh, now nine years and counting. Um, and And there are really very good friends who help us to do something which is not easy um, which is uh, sometimes really burdensome uh, but it it has also uh, certainly the the glimpse of hope um, that we contribute within the very limited uh, resources we have and the, the limitations of our personalities and our our contribution to do something a little bit uh, so that this world becomes safer for children, for youth and for all people.
0: One last sentence for today. What is your hope in this fight?
1: My hope is that as a church and as human beings, um, we discover more what we can do personally and institutionally uh, so that we as a church don't do only something in the area of safeguarding but we are a safer church Uh, this is my hope and and this is also um, the goal for which we work Today we talked about the prevention
0: of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. We've had a look on the activities the CCP already started, learned about the conditions that lead to concealments in the Church and described ways to get out of there. We thank Father Hans Solner, director of the Center for Child Protection in Rome, for answering all our questions and giving inside views of what's happening and what can be done by all of us to make the world a safer place to grow up. In our next podcast, we discuss how this works in an international context. Intercultural collaboration is the topic in our next episode. More information about the CCP at dignityandcare.com. We would be happy to see you again. At the microphone, Henrik Evers says goodbye.
1: Dignity and Care, the podcast of Center for Child Protection at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. A production by the Catholic Media Company, St. Michaelsbund.